We have been thinking we're entitled to certain things. We have been living as if this protection and these gifts of food and water and shelter and all, this is just what we're entitled to. But in reality, no, this world is not made for us to feel entitled because it's the grace of God that gives us the gifts. Hey everyone, welcome back to How to Study the Bible. My name is Nicole Eunice. I am so glad to be on this journey with you. And what I want you to know today is that in the midst of the storms of life, in the way that you may feel today, God's word is faithful and true from generation to generation. It is an anchor for our soul. It is a foundation that is more firm than any other foundation that we could put our lives upon. And that alone makes it worth the discipline of just continuing to show up in God's Word to see what God has for us each and every day. So we're in a series called Unveiled. We are taking um, a sort of lesson from 2 Corinthians where um, we we hear this idea that Paul gives us that um, our faces, our, our hearts become unveiled in Christ. We're able to actually see the big story of Scripture when we are in Christ in a way that it is impossible to understand if you are not in Christ. And I want to show you guys what we've been doing is going through a journey, just kind of hitting some of the big players in the Old Testament to show ways that Jesus reinterprets the story of these characters, that um, it, it's almost like there's two levels of understanding. There's the level of understanding of just the story that's happening. And then when Jesus enters the scene and he begins to give us these uh, clues, he unveils the big story of Scripture that is this this massive, universal, uh, redemptive narrative that God has been writing from Genesis to Revelation. And we ourselves are in that story. We're in the timeline of history from the moment it began until history culminates, Jesus returns, and it's the restoration of all things. And we're in that story. So when we spend time like we are spending and we're seeing these, these connections that are made between Old Testament characters and how Jesus reinterprets what um, these moments in these stories mean and how they matter in the big story of Scripture, when we do that, we will find our confidence raised, our hope secure, because we have a bigger vision for the Bible and a bigger vision for our lives. Most of us know a little something about Moses. Um, He was the chosen leader that God chose to uh, release the Israelites from their slavery under the Egyptians. And it is an amazing story. In my own personal Bible study, I'm reading through Exodus again right now. I just can't wait to read it when I when I get to my uh, evening time when I read before I go to sleep. I'm just like caught up in the story because it's such a good story. And um, sometimes I think when it comes to Bible study and, and what we do here, you know, we sort of really sort zone in on a smaller passage. 
And that is very important because that's how we get to those different levels of understanding. But we have to remember also that the Bible is a story, and there's times to read it just as a story. And God, in the the Spirit of God, will reveal things to you as you do that. So you don't have to be real rigid about the way that you engage with Scripture. What's important is that you actually engage with it. So I've just been enjoying the story in Exodus and being reminded of this incredible uh, miraculous experience of God calling an, a somewhat ordinary guy, Moses, to be his leader, and then the story of what happens after that. Because it's not just, whew, it is not just miracle to promised land. There is a whole lot in between, and our lives are not just <laughs> miracle and promised land. Our lives are not just salvation and promised land. There is a whole lot in between. And so we're going to look at a piece of what's happening, and I'm going to give you just a quick Quick summary, and then we'll jump in. Numbers 21 is where we're going to be, verses 4 through 8, 4 through 9, sorry. And honestly, if you have never heard this story, I'm about to make some connections for you that are going to blow your mind. Now, they're right here for you. They're right here in your Bible. You just might not have made these connections before. And if so, welcome to this incredible story um, that in its own right is kind of mysterious and frankly, a little weird. But when you know what it means in the in the context of the narrative of Scripture, it makes so much more sense. So here we go. Numbers 21, verse 4. So what's happened before this? The Israelites are traveling to the promised land. They're encountering obstacles. Many of those obstacles are the, themselves because they keep rebelling against God's law. They keep forgetting um, God's faithfulness, God's provision for them. They just keep denying that. And Moses gets frustrated. He intervenes to the Lord. God comes to sort of help them see themselves as his chosen people over and over again. And so that's what's been happening. So, okay, verse 4. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought up us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread. Not true. There is no water. Not true. And we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. And then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. Okie dokie. <laughs> if you have not read this before, you're like, what the what? What is happening? Okay, so we've got some study notes that can help us. So first, we need to know what it says, right? Let's make sure we know what it says. All right, what happens here? The people are still traveling. God is sending them. They're moving toward the promised land. And then in verse five, it says they spoke against God, okay? So God, who is their provision, who is their way maker, who is the miracle maker, in this moment, they've become impatient. This is not the first time that they've become impatient. This is the many, many hundreds of times that they've become impatient. And that impatience leads them to actually blaspheme God, to speak against 
God. It says in our study notes that actually the way they were speaking against God's provision is they're speaking against God's grace. Like they are rejecting the grace of God because it's the grace of God that has brought them out of Egypt. It is the grace of God that has provided water and food and direction. All of this was a gift from God. Nobody deserved anything. And so what you see here is a rebellious heart that says, I am entitled to certain things. And if I don't have those things, then I will speak against God. Do you see how that is the gravest sin? The sin that we ourselves fall into again and again and again. And we, in the narrative of this story in the Old Testament, we see God relent again and again and again. But he got to get the people's attention, you know? And so he, he, in some ways, he withdraws his grace because don't forget, they're in the wilderness. They're surrounded by danger all the time. And in a lot of ways, they're just, they're just experiencing the danger of the wilderness. People are getting bitten by poisonous snakes. They're going to die. And in that, they realize, okay, wait, we have been thinking we're entitled to certain things. We have been living as if this protection and these gifts of food and water and shelter and all, this is just what we're entitled to. But in reality, no, this world is not made for us to feel entitled because it's the grace of God that gives us the gifts. How many of us, including myself, even this morning, we don't wake up with just a song in our heart, like, God, thank you for the gift of the breath in my lungs. And some of you probably do, but many of you, maybe like me, are just, you're not wired that way. You don't wake up like that. You're you're overcome by your worries and concerns. You're, You're overcome by your insecurities or whatever it is. When here is God, who's just giving us gifts left and right, and yet this like story that we read in the Old Testament is all about how we spurn those gifts and how deep, like a deep sin that is because we're actually saying, God, I don't trust you. I don't trust your goodness. I don't trust your provision. I don't trust your character, right? And that's what we see happening here. So God needs to bring his people back to himself. He sends them a signal. He sends them a consequence. And that consequence is these poisonous snakes. But as soon as they turn back to God, as soon as they say, wait a second, we're sinning, we're sinning, we're we're denying who God is, God gives them a way. And so the way that he gives them is this odd instruction that he gives Moses where he says, okay, make a snake, put it up on a pole, and and hold the pole up. And when you do, people who look at it, notice that, right? Because we're in, what does it say? People who look at it, will live. Do you see how there's like a choice there? Right? Interesting. Okay. So what does it say? What's the backstory? There's the backstory. I kind of gave you guys that in advance. And what does it mean? When we get to this, what does it mean? That's the really interesting part because we're like, this is a, a, a weird interlude in the story of Moses in the wilderness. It's like, that's the end of the story. It just goes on from there. And like, we don't hear anything else about it. We're like, all right, bronze snake, people lived. Okie dokie. I mean, it just feels so deeply outside of our own experience that it's hard to know what it means. But here is what is amazing about the Bible. Here is why it's worth hanging with the Bible and like just being in the practice of Bible study. So John 3, most of us know John 3.16. If, if, if you know any verse, if you've memorized any verse, it's probably John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son, right? Here is the crazy thing. Let's go to John 3, and I want to read you uh, verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, 
that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Mind blown explosions. I mean, don't you wonder, like, why have you not heard this passage preached? Maybe you have, but if you have never heard this connection, the verse that we are most familiar with in Scripture is actually connected to this bizarro passage in Numbers. John 3, 14 and 15, tells us about this connection in Scripture. And all of a sudden, again, our hearts are unveiled. We're like, wait a second, when I read that passage in Numbers— What is happening there? It's just like a little microcosm of the gospel. It's like, here are God's people who are spurning his grace, and in doing so, they're choosing death. That death can only be relieved by looking to this snake that has been lifted up. There is a choice to be made. Isn't it interesting that God didn't say, Moses, make a bronze snake, and all the snakes will go away? He said, Moses, make a bronze snake. And everyone who's been bitten, everyone who realizes they're about to die, can choose to look at the snake, which means they have to believe in the healing, they have to believe in the salvation, quote unquote, that will come through the looking, through the through the gazing upon this bronze snake. And Jesus himself says, hey, the whole point of that passage, that is a tiny story that represents what is going to happen through me. Just as Moses had to lift up the snake, the Son of Man will be lifted up. Jesus was literally lifted up. He was lifted on a cross. But there is still a choice to make to believe that the sacrifice that was made on the cross is a sacrifice for us all. We don't have to choose that. We can have all the signs and signals that are pointing towards this truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We, we can point to this truth that God so loved the world that he, cre- he, he actually gave his beloved son as that sacrifice that anyone who would look to him, lift it up, would actually be saved, would have eternal life. And there's the process that we see in Numbers 21 that has to play out in our own life. We got to realize that we got problems. I mean, that's the first thing that happens, right? These guys are bitten by snakes. It's like, you got to realize that you are not going to heal yourself. I I just imagine being in that camp, um, that Israelite camp, and and all the things that would develop over the years together in a camp. You know, there's got to be those who serve as 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 the ones who are sort of the healers, the nurses, the doctors, quote unquote. They're not actually nurses and doctors as we understand them. That there would be people in the camp who would be healers. There would be people who would have remedies of all kinds for your children, you know, and for yourselves, whether it's an ankle sprain or a cold or whatever. And yet, you've got this kind of bizarre thing where the only way to be saved from your sure and sudden death is to look to this bronze snake. It doesn't make sense. You're not putting packing herbs in the wound. You're not doing these other things. Our human interventions for healing, that the only way this healing would come would be through this experience that nobody has had before. And here's Jesus saying, hey, that whole thing, I'm going to unveil to you what that really means. That whole story is actually about me. 
It's about what's going to happen for all of humanity, just as that happened for God's chosen people. Everyone who hears my voice, listens to my voice and follows me is now God's chosen people. Everyone who will look to the cross as their only way of salvation, as their only way out of this this world, this humanity, this sudden death that we're all subject to in our sin and in our weakness and in our limitations, the only way out of that sudden and sure death, sudden meaning in the eternal, in the eternal perspective, our sudden death in eternity, is to look to the cross. And this is just one of my favorite um, examples of how Jesus unveils for us the incredible cosmic shift of his life, and that we're living into that reality now. So what does that mean for you? Well, that's probably a question for you and the Lord. When you hear this story, what is your response? Just honestly, are you like, I don't, I don't know. Or are you like, why would God be that way? Or are you like, this is amazing. Like, this is amazing. This is so much bigger than praying just a prayer of salvation so I can have my ticket to heaven. This is this is about uh, reality, like reality in its fullest is not what it seems necessarily. Like, that's really like God can move us to a place of wonder and worship. But if this story brings you to anything but wonder and worship, like, If it brings you to a place of doubt or confusion, what you can do even right now is say, God, unveil my understanding. Lord, I I want, I don't, I don't know, but I want to know. And here's the thing about moving into a deeper relationship with God. He don't want you to go alone. (laughs) He's not, he's not trying to send you into a deeper relationship with him without him there. So a lot of times when we encounter these moments where we feel like we lack understanding or or we just we have doubt or we just our hearts can't get on board, God wants to go with you into a deeper understanding with him. So a lot of times we're trying to figure things out without him. We're trying to make ourselves feel some kind of way without God. And so if you come to this place when you hear these kinds of stories and you just can't make that leap to be like, oh man, I, I want I want to get this. I want to understand it, but I just have this these obstacles or these these stumbling blocks. Go to God with that and just say, Lord, I want to want to understand. I I, I want to walk deeper. Will, will you lead me? And he will answer that prayer. Pray that faithfully, pray that fully, pray that with your whole surrendered heart, and just say, God, for the things I can't understand, will you walk with me into understanding and see what God does? Because God is not going to send you into understanding just for the purposes of you being smarter about the Bible. It says in Scripture, 1 Corinthians, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So we don't want to be puffed up with knowledge without walking with our Savior. Like we want this kind of um, insight, these, these ways that God connects the Old and New Testament to actually draw us into wonder and worship, just to confession, just God like, oh, the story is so much bigger, Lord. And yes, I am like one of those Israelites. And, and yes, Lord, I want to worship you. That is the purpose of what we do here together. All right, you guys, have a great week. Next week, we're talking about the book of Ruth. It's a short book. So if you can read that story before next week, I encourage you to do do so, Ruth 1 through 4.
Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Yunus, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on The Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. 